Blog Talk Radio. How many times can you hear the gospel and reject the gospel before the Lord says, I have no more to say? Don't let that happen. Make sure that your knowledge of the Christ who is crucified is personal and intimate and life-transforming and not just historical. Welcome to Grace to You Weekend with John MacArthur. I'm your host, Phil Johnson. It's been said, if a profound gulf separates your neighbor's belief from your own, there is always the golden bridge of tolerance. Well, think about that in the context of your church. 
what should you do if your pastor starts introducing doctrinal error? If he begins embracing dangerous theology, how tolerant should you be? What can you learn from how Jesus approached false teachers? The answer is you can learn a lot. Stay here for a lesson that's going to help you gauge the amount of tolerance Jesus had for false teachers, and it'll help you follow his example when you encounter error. The title of John's study, How to Talk to a Heretic. And now here's John MacArthur. Luke chapter 20, verses 1 through 8. It came about on one of the days while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel that the chief priests and the scribes with the elders confronted him. And they spoke, saying to him, Tell us by what authority you are doing these things. Or who is the one who gave you this authority? And he answered and said to them, I shall also ask you a question, and you tell me. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death, for they're convinced that John was a prophet. And they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. This is a sad conversation. This is a final declaration on the part of Jesus that He has nothing more to say to Israel, to the leaders. He is finished with them. Middle of verse 1, we come to the first point that I want you to notice in this event, the confrontation. The confrontation. The chief priests and the scribes with the elders confronted Him. Ephistomy is the Greek verb. It means to attack, to come upon, to pounce on. It's inevitable. They can't contain their outrage. And they're trying to restrain themselves. And they do it by forming a question that masks their real hostility in a sort of theological case. But they come after Him with a vengeance. And please notice, it is the chief priests and the scribes with the elders. And what is so interesting about it is this. These are divergent groups. The Sadducees had their own views. The Pharisees had very diverse views. The Herodians had their own views, very diverse again. They are all very diverse groups who agree on one thing. We want this man dead. The whole religious establishment is unified on this account. All divergent groups are commonly united in the desire to kill their Messiah. That doesn't tell you how far from God Judaism was. I don't know what would. They couldn't agree on much, but they could agree on this. They wanted Jesus dead. It's a good lesson. All false religions have their own diversities. But all false religions agree in taking a position opposite the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is a false religion? A false religion is any religion by any name that is not consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether it's Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, or some aberrant kind of Christianity. 
all false religions agree on being anti-gospel. This is the greatest attack always on the truth. So they all collectively come together to be anti-Christ. And they will, by the way, at the end of the age. World religions will unite against Christ. They're such cowards, though. They really don't know how to handle this deal. They don't want to reveal the truth of their own minds and hearts and their own convictions. So they try to trap Jesus. Verse 2, they spoke saying to Him, Tell us by what authority you're doing these things or who is the one who gave you this authority. Now, just, just let me give you a little footnote. They, they lived in a world where authority was a huge thing. This was sort of like a, um, a Pentagon hierarchy. Very complex. There were people in charge of branches for festivals, people in charge of music, trumpets, bakeries, salt, wood, drink offerings, casting lots, bird offerings, water, signs, incense, curtains, robes, everything. There was this pecking order from top to bottom all the way up to the high priest and under him the captain of the temple who was next in rank and all the other ranking people. And you just didn't move unless you had authority. And they all collectively come together because they've all basically been trashed. And they can all agree that this is an outrageous man who's doing outrageous things who pays no attention to them. And they think the question that they need to ask is a question about authority because they think the people will understand this. Tell us by what authority you're doing these things. Now, everybody understood that. Everybody understood that. All the people understood that, that there were, there were rules and there were elements of authority that had to be consulted. They also knew that Jesus always claimed His authority was from God. He always said that. He said, I do what my Father tells me to do. I do what my Father shows me to do. I do the will of my Father. I think they would have hoped that He would say, I have my authority from God. To which they would have responded, blasphemer, blasphemer, and stoned Him. And Jesus' response exposes them for what they really are. We go from the confrontation to what we'll call the counter-question. Verse 3, the counter-question, He answered and said to them, I shall also ask you a question, and you tell me. This is traditional rabbinic style. Good teachers all do this, but this is pretty classic rabbinical style. You answer a question with a question to force the student deeper into the issue, the dilemma. It, Jesus is not evading the answer. He's unmasking their hypocrisy. They know where His authority has come from. He has said it many, many times. They know that. They're just trying to get Him to say it so they can accuse Him of blasphemy and kill Him. But instead of answering their question, He exposes their hypocrisy. They're supposed to be the great teachers of Israel. They're supposed to know all the answers to all the issues. They're supposed to be the leaders of the people. They're supposed to have a pervasive omniscience about all the spiritual theological issues. So He says, let me ask you a question. By the way, Jesus did this a lot. He says this, verse 4, I'll ask you a question. You tell me. Here's the question. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Now, everybody knew about John. We're talking here about John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist, uh, the, the prophet who was out in the wilderness of the Jordan River baptizing people. 
with a baptism of repentance, preparing them for the coming of Messiah. Symbolically, go into the water, symbolizing a cleansing from sin as you prepare your own heart for the coming of Messiah. All of Judea flocks out there to John. These people are all being baptized because they want to be ready when the Messiah comes. One day Jesus shows up. John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John baptizes Jesus, the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The baptism of John speaks of his whole prophetic ministry. The baptism of John is not just talking about the actual act of baptism. So when our Lord says, was the baptism of John from heaven or from men, He's saying the ministry of John. His call for repentance and an appropriate baptism to outwardly demonstrate that repentance, really it was a proselyte baptism. It was asking a Jew to say, you have to treat yourself as if you were a a Gentile. Because this kind of baptism was used when Gentiles wanted to join the Jews in their worship. Since they were outsiders, there was a rite they went through. He's saying you have to treat yourself as a Jew as if you were an outcast Gentile and confess your sin, repent of your sin, and go through a ceremonial demonstration of it. This was the baptism of John. In order to be ready for Messiah, John points to Jesus as the Messiah. You can read all of that back in Luke 3. It's all there in detail. I won't take time to go through it. So the question's pretty simple. Was this work of men or was it of God? Did it come from heaven or from men? Well, this is an impossible dilemma for them. They want to say it came from men. That's problematic. They do not want to say it came from God. They don't believe that. They hate that idea. Back in Luke chapter 7, they are on record as taking a position on John the Baptist. When all the people, verse 29, when all the people and tax gatherers heard this, they acknowledged God's justice having been baptized with the baptism of John. So the populace all went out and went through this baptism saying, yes, we want to be ready. Yes, we want to confess our sins and repent. We want to be there when Messiah comes to set up the kingdom. But verse 30, Luke 7, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. They rejected it. They weren't going to do it. That would have been an admission that they were outside the covenant. That would have been an admission they were outside the kingdom. They were not holy. No way would they do that. So their answer is, John is not of God. It is of men. So Jesus puts them on the horns of the dilemma. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? By the way, Mark 11.30 in the parallel account said, Jesus then said, answer me. Just turning the screws a little. So they're stuck between the proverbial rock and hard place. You either admit that Jesus is the Messiah or you deny that John the Baptist is a prophet of God. You can't admit Jesus is the Messiah. That's impossible. But you better not deny that John is a prophet because that has serious consequences. What are they? Verse 5, they reasoned among themselves. Interesting word in the Greek means to deliberate. In the parallel passage in Matthew 21:25, it uses a different word which means to dialogue. So they deliberated and they dialogued. And they were saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why didn't you believe him? If John was a prophet of God who had a ministry from heaven, why didn't you believe him? Why didn't you believe him when he said Jesus is the Messiah? But, verse 6, if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death. For they're convinced John was a prophet. Why would they stone him to death? For what? For blasphemy. 
They'd reach back into the Old Testament, places like Exodus 17.4, Numbers 14.10. They would accuse them of blasphemy by calling a prophet of God not a prophet of God. So we got a real problem here. If we say it's from heaven, then we have no excuse for not believing in Him. If we say it's from men, they're going to stone us to death. Now, you can get from that the fever pitch of this crowd, can't you? This lets you know how volatile that crowd was in terms of their temporary excitement about Jesus. So they can't tell the truth. So what do they do? Verse 7, they answered that they did not know where it came from. They, um, they give no answer. So much for their pretended omniscience. It was their duty to be observers of truth in matters of religion. They self-indict by being unwilling to answer the question. We don't know. There is no way they can escape the dilemma again. And Jesus does this to them, as I said, many times. That leads to the final point, the condemnation. The confrontation led to the counter-question and finally the condemnation. This is one of those really sad, sad statements. Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. That is just tragic. Jesus is saying, essentially, based on what you've done with the information you have, I'm not giving you any more. It's over. While teaching the people, preaching the gospel to the people, he has absolutely nothing to say to the leaders. They knew the ministry of John. They knew Jesus claimed that he, as well as John, came from God. John and Jesus were inseparable. You take one, you get them both. There was no point in casting pearls before pigs. They rejected all the light willfully, no reason to give them more. This is judgment on the religious leadership of Israel. Judgment. Later in chapter 22 and verse 66, the council of elders of the people assembled, chief priests and scribes, there they are again, same group. Later, they led Him away to their council chamber, saying, If you are the Christ, tell us. But He said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask a question, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. All that's left for you is judgment. And they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And finally, this is all He would say, Yes, I am. And what was their response? What further need do we have of testimony? We heard it ourselves from His own mouth. Kill Him. doesn't do any good to tell them anything. They're so fixed in their unbelief. Chapter 23, verse 8, Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus. He had wanted to see Him for a long time because he had been hearing about Him, was hoping to see some sign performed by Him. Verse 9, Luke 23, he questioned him at some length. He answered him nothing. Now Herod thought he was a pretty important guy. Jesus never answered any question he asked. Nothing to say. This is judgment. This is Genesis 6-3. My spirit 
will not always strive with man. There is an end to God's patience. This is Nehemiah 9.30. Thou didst bear with them for many years and admonish them by Thy Spirit through Thy prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore Thou didst give them into the hand of the peoples of the land. There comes a time when God says, I have no more to say to you. Isaiah reiterates it. Isaiah 63.10, They rebelled. They grieved His Holy Spirit. Therefore He turned Himself to become their enemy. He fought against them. Jeremiah chapter 11, very similar. A couple of verses, verses 7 and 11. For I solemnly warned your fathers in the day that I brought them up from the land of Egypt, even to this day, warning persistently, saying, Listen to my voice. They didn't. Verse 11, Therefore thus says the Lord, I'm bringing disaster on them which they will not be able to escape. And though they will cry to Me, yet I will not listen to them. you remember chapter 19 of Luke, verse 41? When He approached the city, He saw it and wept and said, If you had known in this day even you the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. To the people there is still mercy extended, the Gospel extended, the message extended. And on Pentecost there will be 3,000 who will believe and thousands more after. But for the leaders, it's over. It's over. And even the resurrection, when He rises from the dead, they will not believe, but will fabricate a lie to cover it up. There are those who are like the people, and the Lord is still reaching out. There are those who are like the leaders. The door is shutting for good. How many times can you hear the gospel and reject the gospel before the Lord says, I have no more to say? Don't let that happen. Make sure that your knowledge of the Christ who is crucified is personal and intimate and life-transforming and not just historical. That's John MacArthur here on Grace to You Weekend. His current series is showing you how to talk to a heretic. Now, you know, John, Scripture says Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it's no wonder if his human servants do the same thing. Heretics don't come with a badge that identifies them as heretics. And so I can imagine some of our listeners might be wondering, how am I supposed to apply this study? It's one thing for Jesus to confront error, but I'm just an average Christian. Am I really going to be able to confront error? Yeah, look, this is very basic. The only way you can recognize error is to know the truth. So it is the understanding that you have of sound doctrine that allows you to know what error is. Error is is readily exposed to somebody who has sound doctrine. And, you know, Phil, you and I have for decades together fought the battles of sound doctrine, right? And and applying that sound doctrine to what's going on. We've been, without saying it, we've been on the, I think on the front edge of trying to be discerning and warn people about error that, that most people don't recognize that's uh, maybe too subtle. But it's completely related. Our ability to do that is completely related to, to the fact that we understand sound doctrine. Right. And one thing I learned from you is 
that doesn't happen by accident. It's hard work to right. study Scripture, to study, right. to show yourself approved. Well, and but that's the only way you can acquire sound doctrine. So if you have trouble recognizing a heretic, it's because you don't really understand the truth. Or maybe you think you understand it, but you don't yet have it developed enough in your mind so that it's a conviction. When you go from knowledge to conviction, that's a big step. Hmm. When you go from conviction to affection, that's an even bigger step. Hmm. It's when you know the truth and love the truth and then confront the heretic that you're coming with full force because you're coming with knowledge and with love. Hmm. The love for the truth and the love for that individual. So this uh, series that we're doing on how to talk to a heretic is is undergirded and will be undergirded in your life with a copy of the new book, brand new book, Jesus Unleashed. Um, Jesus was not passive, polite, politically correct. He was confrontive. He was challenging. He made people angry, furious, in fact, to the degree that they executed him on a cross but that was still an effort to bring the truth to them that would save them from their sins and from eternal judgment. That kind of confrontation isn't designed to produce judgment. It's to produce salvation. So get a copy of the brand new hardcover book, Jesus Unleashed, 150 pages available from Grace to You. That's right, friend. It is not easy to confront error in a way that can lead to a person's salvation, but you have the perfect model to follow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pick up the new book, Jesus Unleashed, when you contact us today. You can place your order by phone. Just dial us toll-free at 800-55-GRACE or use our website, gty.org. Jesus Unleashed would be a great book to go through with your Bible study. Most people probably know less about Christ's boldness towards false teachers than they should, but it's crucial to understand this aspect of his nature. Again, the title to ask for, Jesus Unleashed. Call 800-55-GRACE or go to gty.org. And let me suggest another foundational resource. It's really the most foundational one we have, the MacArthur Study Bible. Its signature feature, 25,000 footnotes that explain virtually every passage. The MacArthur Study Bible is available in several English and non-English translations, as well as in hardcover, leather soft, and premium goatskin. You're sure to find one that's right for you. To order, call 855-GRACE or go to gty.org. Now for John MacArthur and the entire Grace to You staff, I'm Phil Johnson. Thanks for making Grace to You part of your day. And join us next week when John looks again at the boldness Jesus had when he faced hypocritical false teachers. Be here for another 30 minutes of unleashing God's truth, one verse at a time, on Grace to You Weekend.
a great big wall that stood between you and God. But then Jesus Christ came and paid it all when our Lord was crucified. Before this time, our sin advice meant we could only come to God with fear. But now through faith in the risen Christ, we can pray and God will hear. And though we can't see him, he's close not far, so it really doesn't matter how old you are. Because of Jesus, the heavenly Father smiles on you because you're now his child. Apostles on Genesis. This is Ken Ham, author, speaker, and blogger on why we can trust the Bible. 
What did the early church believe about creation? Well, let's start at the beginning with the apostles. Paul describes Adam as the first man who brought death into the creation. He connects Adam and his sin directly to Christ and his death. He ties the gospel into that history. Paul also mentions Eve and treats her and her deception by Satan as history. He also grounds his teaching on marriage and family in the reality of how God created Adam and Eve. And Peter writes about creation and the flood as real events. He says that in the last days, people will scoff at this. According to the earliest Christians, Genesis is history. Subscribe to receive free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again or view a transcript at AnswersRadio.com. All right, here we go, kids, gather round. A brand new sound to praise the one who has the crown. In today's lesson, we'll talk about the Holy Bible, the most important book we all need for survival. The Bible is God's message for this world. It's for every man and woman, every boy and girl. And that message is that if we turn to Christ and place our trust in Him, we'll have eternal life. Now when we're at church, yeah, it's fun, it's cool. When we hear a lot of stories in Sunday school, like Jacob and Noah, Moses and Daniel, David and Jonah, Joseph and Samuel, but all the little stories tell one big story about the God who made all things for his glory. So as we read the Bible, it's important that we see this. There's only one hero and his name is Jesus. the Bible, where should we begin? When God made the whole wide world just by speaking. By his great might, he said, let there be light. The light he called day and the dark he called night. He made the earth and the seas, the dirt and the seeds, the herds and the trees, the birds and the bees. But the big surprise God had up his sleeve. On day number six, created Adam and Eve, made in the image of the beautiful Most High. God told them, be fruitful and multiply. Everything's yours, but that tree do not try. Because in the day you eat it, you surely go gonna die. I'm sure you know the rest. Yes, they failed the test. And ever since then, the world has been a big mess. So as we read the Bible, it's important that we see this. There's only one hero and his name is Jesus. When we read God's word today, the greatest saints had their flaws on full display. And it was written down for us in order that we may recognize that Christ is the only way. Adam ate forbidden fruit and lost his life. Abraham got scared and lied about his wife. Sarah laughed to herself when she heard God's promise. Rebecca encouraged her son to be dishonest. Aaron used craft to make a golden calf. Moses got mad, struck the rock with a staff. David sinned greatly, even lost his baby. And Jacob, he was just all around shady. The point is not to make light of our flaws, but to show that every one of us needs the cross. So as we read the Bible, it's important that we see this. There's only one hero and his name is Jesus.
Start with the Bible. This is Ken Ham, CEO of the ministry that built a full-size Noah's Ark south of Cincinnati. We saw yesterday that the apostles believed Genesis was real history. But what about the early church fathers? Well, most of them interpreted Genesis as literal history. They believed the six days of creation were 24-hour days. Now, a few argued that the days weren't literal, but they didn't believe in long ages. They said God created in just an instant. Not only did most of the church fathers believe the days were regular days, they also accepted a young earth. And why? Well, if you start with just the Bible, it's obvious the earth's young. Historically, Christians have believed in a young earth because they started with the Bible. Plan your trip to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. Make plans to tour the life-size Ark when you go to AnswersRadio.com. Spirit and the gifts are ours. 
Long ages don't come from scripture. This is Ken Ham, co-author of the book on Noah's flood called A Flood of Evidence. This week we've learned that the apostles and early church leaders believed Genesis was history. Well, so did those after them. Many medieval theologians interpreted Genesis literally, believing God created just a few thousand years ago. And then came the reformers who largely taught God created in six 24-hour days only a few thousand years ago. Now, some theologians did interpret Genesis allegorically, believing God created in an instant, but no one added long ages into scripture until quite recently, because long ages don't come from scripture. They come from things outside of scripture and then are forced onto the text. There's so much more to discover about creation and the flood when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. Find answers to your questions when you go to our website at AnswersRadio.com.
yeah. Different colors and different shades, all differently and wonderfully made. Through each the glory of God display. God made me and you. For all the value, all our loss, all the great need for the cross. Jesus died, rose, and paid the cost. God made me and you. Different colors and different shades, all fearfully and wonderfully made. Through each the glory of God display. God made me and you. For all the value, all our loss, all the great need for the cross. Jesus died, rose, and paid the cost. A global flood. This is Ken Ham, an Aussie transplant with a passion for sharing the truths of God's Word. How did Christians view Noah's flood throughout church history? Well, Jesus and the Apostle Peter taught the flood was global. And the early church fathers, the medieval theologians and the reformers, they all taught that the flood was global. One of the early church fathers, Tertullian, even taught that fossils of sea creatures were a result of the flood. So why did Christians throughout almost all of church history believe the flood was global? Well, because that's what the Bible very clearly teaches. The very recent idea held by some Christians of a local flood, instead of a global one, doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from the imaginations of man. Discover more about the truth of God's Word and the Gospel of Jesus Christ when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again at AnswersRadio.com. Yeah. 
Short Chronologies. This is Ken Ham, and our ministry has launched a video streaming platform, Answers.tv. Throughout church history, many scholars wrote chronological histories of the world, starting with God's Word. They've added up the genealogies in Genesis and looked at biblical dates and clues to determine a historical chronology. And they've always come up with roughly the same numbers, about 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham and about 2,000 years then from Abraham to Christ. Then they added on the years since Christ lived to their time to get an age for the earth. It was always thousands of years. The idea that the earth is millions of years old is a new idea in the church. It doesn't come from scripture. It comes from man. There's so much more to discover when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com and subscribe to receive free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you go to AnswersRadio.com. Clean to the old road. 
And this to you, I really hope you hear my heart When thinking about describing you, I really don't know where to start Can't start at the beginning, cause you are before the beginning Way before the beginning, and this fallen world's distorted opinions It was just the holy trinity, ruling from infinity Glory blazed tremendously, loving one another endlessly Billions, billions years ago, outside of what we know as time Nobody else was there to know, but Lord, here's the thing that blows my mind As long ago as that was Long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful. You never change, you remain the By far. Not just because of what you do, but simply because of who you are. There's none like you in existence. You are God and you need no assistance. Even though we show you resistance, you sent Jesus to close the distance that existed between God and man. According to your sovereign plan, we changed many times in one lifespan. I changed even since this song began. Lord, I'm so glad that you're not like us. All that you do will certainly last. You are the rock that we can trust. Shows us back in eternity past. As long ago as that was, as long ago as that was. Have not changed, Lord. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same. You have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful. You never change, you remain the same. Immutable, About my ups and downs, all of my inconsistencies, all of my idiosyncrasies. Still, you pursue relentlessly. At times, I wonder how this can be. Surely, it's because of the cross. When Jesus paid the full penalty and bore the burden of sin's great cost. I'm saved by grace and faith in God. I look to Christ and I trust He died. So, even though I'm being sanctified, I can't be any more justified. His work is finished that cannot change. And with this knowledge, I am free. Forever, this grace, it will remain because of what happened on Calvary. As long ago as that was. Long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord. Oh Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same. You have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful. You never change. You remain the same. Immutable, beautiful, you never change, never change, forever you reign, you remain the same. 
These are gray matters. These are mitteldingen. These are disputable dispensations. These are things that we tend to disagree on, but God gives us a mechanism to have some harmony. Does God teach postmodernism when it comes to areas that the Bible isn't explicit on? No, he's not, because adiaphorum, these middle things where we don't seem to have clarity, there actually is clarity. There actually is a right or wrong. There actually is a true or false. Paul uses the issue of meat. There were people that were finding it troublesome coming out of an idolatrous system to buy meat that was sacrificed to idols. Paul makes it clear that is not a sin. You can buy meat that was sacrificed to an idol because there really isn't an idol. Only God is the true and living God. So you're just buying meat. On the other hand, you had people saying, oh, yeah, you, let's eat the meat. It's good. Maybe it's cheaper. I don't know. They had a coupon. But you've got two people inside of the church. Oh, eating a meat sacrificed to an idol. It's a sin. Others who are saying, no, it's not. Paul doesn't say you're both right. That's postmodernism. Paul says, no, there actually is one who is right. In this instance, the person who believes you can actually eat the meat, they are right. And this person is actually wrong, but we want to be careful now how we treat each other. And that's what Romans 14 is about. It's a mechanism to be loving one another so that the more mature brother doesn't force the immature brother to sin against their Conscience, In other words, to override the fire alarm that God has planted in our brain, which would then get duller and duller and duller. Don't do that. Be patient, be loving, and teach them. On the other hand, you've got the weaker brother. Should not look at the one who is more mature and go, Hey, you're sinning. Knock it off. Quit acting like that. You're being a really bad Christian. And Paul says, don't treat each other that way. Postmodernism says both parties are right. And in their world, even if both are wrong, if they both think they're right, they're right. That is not Romans 14. One is, one isn't. And it teaches us to get along lovingly. Permit me to ask you a question if you're thinking, huh, that's a little tricky. I grant you, it is a little bit tricky, but it's also brilliant. This is not something that should cause the Christian to go, you mean there's like areas like this that are kind of confusing and stuff? Yeah, there's areas like that because life is confusing, and this is God's brilliant plan for us to actually get along. This does not minimize the veracity of the Bible. This demonstrates the supernatural nature of the Bible. You could have put me in a box for a million years. I would have decomposed, but the point is, I would have never come up with something like this, and you wouldn't either, but God did, and it is biblical, and it is his tool to just help us get along, and it is not postmodernism. That is from Richard, the YouTube channel, and it's called God's Brilliant Plan for Christians Get Along, and you can find them also at wretched.org, that's W-R-E-T-C-H-E dot O-R-G, and they have, that's where they have their TV show and radio show you can check out, and from the Wretched YouTube pages, there are clips from there.
uh, TV and radio show, so you can check that out, too. And thanks for listening to Truth Be Told Radio. Now I'm going to play for you a song. This one's called Stories.
Hey, yo, they said it was over, man. They said it was over. But it ain't over. We just getting started. Yo, 7,000, we all at. Let's go. Stand up, stand up. If you truly love the son of man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, stand up. Does anybody love the son of man? Trust. Jesus is the king, so his people we will sing. And forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? Surprise, I'm back in your section With Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection More power than gravity His knowledge and strategies confound the academy Bow to his majesty He paid sin salary, took up blame on Calvary Those who love his name spread his fame is the policy All eyes on the mattress price of his sacrifice Let's prize our master Christ and rise in the afterlife What, did we forget about the holiness of God or something? Did we forget that God owes us a rod or something? See the snake bruise when Christ came to save dudes Who hate truth, the gospel it's not fake news Our debt is sin The gospel sweeter than it's ever been Ain't nothing changed Let us in We got the medicine It's still human emergency The serpent attack You think Jesus can't save? That's alternative facts Stand up, hand up If you truly love the son of man Trust, Jesus is alive And his people he'll revive And his fame is going to spread across the land What's up? Stand up, hand up Does anybody love the son of man? Trust, Jesus is the king So it's To my composition Lots of rhythm But not traditional Kind of different But God's consistent No contradiction My proposition Through crucifixion He mocked and crippled His opposition It's not some fiction I'm spitting The son of God is risen And my incentive For godly living Is I'm forgiven Jesus came to unlock the prison And through the spirit He brings a new birth Like an obstetrician At times I listen A lot of Christian hip-hop is missing The proposition It's my suspicion We drop the mission Not to this But the word of God Is it not sufficient The doctrine is That the gospel fixes I shot condition God the spirit Supplies conviction Through proper diction Against the backdrop Of our tradition The gospel glistens A squad of Christians Go out and witness A God's commission Cause Jesus Christ Got the top position No competition Stand up Hand up If you truly love the Son of Man, trust, Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is going to spread across the land, what's up, stand up, hand up, does anybody love the Son of Man, trust, Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing and forever stay worthy is the land, what's up, they want Jesus in the background like elevator music, but we gonna celebrate him, relegate him, we refuse it, they hate Christian hip hop, I peep myself, they say we too redundant, well let me repeat myself, what I gotta say almost feels too real estate. Sit back and feel the weight of what a real estate. Cause yo, Jesus Christ got me in the real estate. I'm purchased property, I feel like I'm real estate. If the father wasn't gracious, no sin in them. Again, he came straight blameless, no sin in them. Again, nothing's been the same since, no sin in them. Again, fakers lack his fragrance, no sin in them. This is not the picture in a frame to still Jesus. Nah, we serve the, the rock, the harder than still Jesus. So how are we gonna be silent, let the world still Jesus? When the world and its trend pass away, it's still Jesus. Stand up, hand up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive and his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, hand up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing and forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? Worthy is the land. What's up? Worthy is the land. What's up? 
chapter 1, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, but before the giving of the Holy Spirit, 120 people gathered in the upper room to pray. The 11 apostles decided to replace Judas, who betrayed Christ and hung himself. This 12th apostle had to have witnessed Jesus' earthly ministry, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, Acts 1.22. There were two men present who qualified, Justice and Matthias. The apostles prayed that God would show which one of these two he had chosen. They cast lots, basically they flipped a coin, and the lot fell on Matthias, who became the 12th apostle. Now, some have argued that Matthias's apostleship was illegitimate, and it was actually Paul who was to be the 12th apostle, since Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus and appointed him an apostle in Acts 9. But even Paul did not number himself among the 12. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul wrote about the witnesses to Christ's bodily resurrection. He said, Jesus appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve which would have included Matthias, though he had not yet been named among the twelve. Then Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers. After that, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles and not worthy to be called an apostle. Paul was indeed an apostle sent out to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. But Paul was a later apostle, more rightly considered the 13th apostle, not numbered among the 12 when we understand the text. That is what, when we understand the text, also known as WWTT on YouTube, and they have a website, www.tt.com, so check that out, www.tt.com, and check them out on YouTube, and now... I let you get social with us. Get social with Truth Be Told Radio. Check us out on our Facebook like page as Truth Be Told Radio. You can find our website at truthbetoldradio.com. That is T-R-U-T-H-B-E-T-O-L-D-R-A-D-I-O dot C-O-M. Truthbetoldradio.com. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or want to tell us anything? Send those emails to truthbetoldradioshow at gmail.com. Remember, by sending us your email, you give us permission to read it on the air. So write us at truthbetoldradioshow at gmail.com. If you like to read blogs, we've got you covered. Check out ours at truthbetoldradio.blogspot.com. That's truthbetoldradio.blogspot.com. Also, follow us on Twitter as truth, the letter B, then told radio. That is T-R-U-T-H-B-T-O-L-D-R-A-D-I-O. Once again, that is truth, the letter B only, not B-E, told radio. This is due to the restraints for Twitter's username link. Finally, to learn the testimony of Melissa Canchoa, the hostess of Truth Be Told Radio, see smilesandstuff.com. That's S-M-I-L-E-S-A-N-D. S-T-U-F-F dot C-O-M. Smilesandstuff.com. So stay social with us, and thanks for listening to Truth Be Told Radio. Blessed assurance, Jesus is
be found Rest in his righteousness alone
said, so I got work. We told her you can go out with Yanti and friends and Afia Billy. Bye for now. The B I D L E. 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 Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B I D L E. The B I Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.